Joanna, do you ever wish you could definitively prove that you had the right opinions about movies? Uh, yeah, Neil, because I do have the right opinions about movies and television. Right, Dave? No, because I'm more right about those things, and I demand trial by content. Oh boy, what is trial by content? Each week, we'll take on a huge question. Each of us will bring a choice, and combined with listener submissions and your votes, we will come to a decision. It's trial by content every Tuesday on Spotify, TheRinger.com, or wherever you're listening right now. Don't let Neil win. Don't let Dave win. This episode is brought to you by Pure Leaf Iced Tea. Go beyond reality with new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea and discover a berry delicious world bursting with unexpected blackberry flavor. A world so full of refreshing blackberry iced tea that you may never want to leave. But there's always time to linger. Try new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. Visit Amazon.com slash Pure Leaf and enter 20 Pure Leaf for 20% off your purchase of new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Hello and welcome to The Pod Is Spoken. I'm Riley McAtee and yes, once again, Tyson is out and I will be filling in for him. He did, however, send me a letter this week. We finally got in contact with him and in it he said two things. He said, one, Riley, you're doing a great job on the podcast. And two, he said he will be back soon. Those are his exact words. And then he said, P.S. Riley, I have to admit, I've done a lot of reflecting and I think your hair just looks a lot better than mine. That's exactly his words. That sounds exactly like him. It's exactly what he definitely wrote and said to me. Today, we are breaking down the latest episode of Survivor. Once again, I'm joined by rally TV expert Juliet Littman. Juliet, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for asking. I'm happy to not be having to wash any red paint off any part of my body today. So I, I think I'm doing great. Also with us is a big Survivor fan and a Ringer NFL writer is Steven Ruiz. Steven, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. I didn't get the reality TV expert label. Are you a reality TV no, expert? No, I'm not. What else I'm are you not. watching? Okay, great. But you are a Survivor fan. Tell us a little bit about how you're a fan of the show, how you've come into it. I feel I was a Big Brother fan. I feel like that was my entry into the show. I would see commercials for it. It's kind of a similar game, kind of. Uh, and I started watching it and I started liking it more than Big Brother because I, I do think there's more strategy and I think it's the show is more focused on that. And that was always the most interesting part of Big Brother to me. So I've kind of like phased out Big Brother and Survivor has replaced it. Wow. As the, show, the go-to show. Do you watch the challenge? Oh, yeah. Of course There's I do. There's so many Big Brother people on the challenge. I don't like the Big Brother Alliance. Where do you stand on Josh Martinez? The worst person in America. <laughs> I despise him. Because <laughs> I think a lot of challenge... Well, I despise him as well as a challenge fan. But I think a lot of Big Brother people like Josh because they're like, he's so much better. He was so much better on Big Brother, blah, blah, blah. I didn't watch his season. It was the, it's the one season I've never seen. It oh, just wasn't interesting. interesting to me. And yeah, I don't, I don't really like the people that they brought over from Big Brother. Like Fessy was terrible on Big Brother. He's, he made one of the worst moves in the history of the show. So wow. I've, always, I, I've never liked him. 
Polly was a terrible character, as he is on the challenge. He's, he's horrible. He, he was even worse on Big Brother. I think he's banned from the show, actually. So there Hopefully. you go. Yeah, seriously. Wow, this is exciting. I didn't know you were a challenge fan. Look, looking forward to discussing the next season with you. I'm a Wes fan. Oh, I love Wes. Me too. Oh, good. I good. love Wes. Good. I don't even feel bad saying it. I interviewed Wes like two, like I've actually interviewed him a few times. Once he was at Staples and he was like, can I just call you back? And like we were in the middle of an interview. So that was pretty funny. And then a couple of years ago, he like at the beginning of the pandemic, I interviewed him and uh, he was just always like nonplussed. Wes is just like always doing his own thing. But that's why he's so great. Sounds about right. Yeah, exactly. Stephen, how are you feeling about this current season of Survivor and really this current era, like 41 and 42? I'm enjoying it. I, I, I agree with the people that have said that the the shorter season has kind of affected the game. And I do think the more more twists have added on to that it's it's been more fast-paced to me i i think the contestants are more have been more encouraged to make strategic moves if not forced to do it by the twists which is always interesting to me i we we kind of talked before the show about it kind of feeling like a rerun and i do have that same feeling like it does feel like i'm watching 41 over yeah this is like the big thing that that I feel like really started to hit me this episode was when they were like, we're going to do the same challenge. We're going to have the same knowledge as power and twist. We're going to hide a hide a reward or a uh, beware advantage in the same spot that we had an advantage from the last season. I was like, wow, this is the same season of Survivor. I actually think I like 42 more than 41. I think it's because the cast is a lot stronger, but it's like some of it just feels like we're going through the motions like this is we're running it all back and it's starting to feel a little bit stale to me. I, I feel like Jeff is giving too much to the camera. Like when he um, when he was like, I'll be disappointed if she doesn't find it or if someone doesn't find it with the uh, beware advantage when Drea found it after last season, Xander did not. I was just like, OK, that's like, you know, it's like more than breaking the fourth wall. Like, I feel like he's starting to talk to the camera like he's talking to like he's like doing a podcast or something. <laughs> and um I also really didn't like when he like how they positioned uh, the negotiation over the rice before the which challenge was that the immunity challenge I think it's just sort of like too familiar and like too personal and I I find it like a really like weird tonal shift because then they like jump back into the game and I that that's like that is grating on me in particular and also I think I'm in the minority, but I actually prefer season 41. I like really liked that cast a lot. Actually, I really liked Shan. I thought she was great TV. I like that cast a lot too. I wrote about that for the ringers about how, even though I was kind of anti a lot of the twists on that season, the cast was good enough. And like, if you have a good cast, you just have a good season of survivor. Yeah. That's all you need. But I, I think that what I mean is I think I really like the cast from season 42. Like, I feel like it's really strong for me. Yeah, I have the same feeling. And I agree with the the probe stuff. I, I feel like we're like three seasons away from getting like a picture in picture director's commentary during <laughs> episodes, which we don't need. Seriously. I, what sport would you most want to hear Jeff call? Like if he's not doing Survivor, like what do you think would be the best use of, use of his play-by-play skills? It has to be hockey, right? Something fast paced. Mm. That's, that's been the thing that's always left me in awe. Like and maybe it's edited and... He's not as good as I think he is, but his ability to just come up with questions off the cuff and instantly, just amazing to me. And I think hockey is probably the the hardest sport to call, I would imagine, from the outside looking in. So I would say, yeah, hockey. Interesting. I don't know anything about hockey. I don't get it. Neither do I. 
<laughs> I feel like that's what I want, though. I want him calling a sport like pickleball or something where I don't know anything. It's just it's just too much with him. I um, Is this permanent, Riley? Do you know? Like, Are they always going to do this back-to-back season thing? Where they film them back-to-back? Yeah. They've been doing that for a while. That actually predates the the pandemic and everything. Where They basically filmed them both. One in like the spring slash early summer and then one kind of more really in the summer. So they're basically back-to-back. But what they haven't done is been so obvious about that in the past like they have they they haven't made it clear that like oh this season's contestants they haven't seen the last season of survivor and they haven't used that to their advantage so now they're really like leaning into that whereas before it was kind of something that they actually tried to keep behind the curtain i feel like they kind they kind of had to do it because of like the weird phrase thing if the other contestants had seen it it would have been like oh you guys have an idol and that's where i think like jeff talking to the camera actually works when he's like hey this is why this phrase thing is still going to work this season. Cause otherwise I think all the viewers who didn't know that the seasons are filmed back to back would be like, how do these people not understand that when somebody says that there's a bunny in the mailbox, like they have an idol, right? Like we all just saw this last season, but where it doesn't work with Jeff, like you guys know how Jeff used to have like a a talk show. He had one for a season. And sometimes I feel like, he's trying to make Survivor into his talk show again. Like I've always felt a little bit of this at Tribal Council. Like I've always, I always feel like the Tribal Council questions go on for like two minutes too long. And then now it's like, oh, okay, I've got to like talk to these contestants during challenges and stuff too. If you watch old seasons, like there was just much less of Jeff being like, how does it feel to be the one that didn't get picked at this challenge? Like he just didn't do that. It was like, okay, so-and-so is not picked. And like, now we're moving on to the challenge. And now it's like, he just like inserts himself much more into the show than he used to. And at times it works and at times it's like, dude, this is just too much. But part of that's the edit, right? Like, I think we're just seeing it more and they've decided to make Jeff more of a character. Like, I, I you know, Tribal's sure. like famously always gone on for a really long time. I think he always asks those questions, but like, that's a big part of how they're deciding to position it. And it's almost like they've decided, that, like, even though he's always been the through line, they're sort of like playing it up even more. It's it's is like, honestly, a sort of a surprising decision given how many seasons of the show they've done but you know i, I guess they just think that will work they're just going to get rid of the game at some point it's just going to be jeff talking to himself <laughs> for an hour have either of you seen rock and roll jeopardy hosted by jeff Probst? no it was an old no. old vh1 show that i watched in real time and he's just always been like delighted to host and like delighted to like be at the center of things. So, you know, he really found his calling. It's kind of a kind of a beautiful story. He would have been a pretty good Jeopardy host. I feel yeah. like I, I want to yeah. watch that, but I just know from Survivor, he would have been pretty good. Kind of surprising he never was a fill in. They should call him up for when he's not filming. Yeah. They still don't have a permanent host. So that's right. They're still they're, they're still just rotating through. They're still in like a state of limbo. He's got some free time. It'll be the same thing at Survivor. If Jeff ever stops hosting, they'll never be able to find a good replacement. (laughs) I agree. I agree. All right. Well, let's jump into the episode here a bit. I feel like a good place to start is with after Jeff kind of talks to the camera and everything, we get Drea finding that Beware advantage going and and searching for it and getting the red paint all over her arm and and getting kind of caught red-handed by Tori, a favorite of ours on this podcast. (laughs) Um, and i'm just amazed at how much hardware drea has now she has four advantages so she's got the amulet she's got an idol she's got an extra vote and now she has the knowledge is power advantage it's got to be the most that anyone has ever had i can't imagine anyone has ever held this much power at one time uh it's it's actually wild what is the amulet so the amulet is her high and Lindsay all have this amulet 
if they all they all have to use it together for it to have any power. And if there are three amulets in the game, it has the power of an extra vote. If one of those people gets voted out and now there's two amulets, then it has the power of a steal a vote. And if there's only one amulet left, then it's just the power of a full strength idol. Gotcha. So do other people know who has them? I don't think anyone knows. Yeah, no, I don't think they told. Do they have them this last season as well? No, this is new. Okay. I was like, this sounds, this is, that's new. This is new to me and also confusing. I can't keep up with so many of these. It's too much. I, I do feel like for me, after she found this next, this new advantage, she becomes the favorite to win the show for me. I, I'm probably spoiling what we're going to get to <laughs> later in the show, but it's too much. Like she's so powerful. She's like the Jonathan of advantages. I don't know how you take her down. Yeah. But like, what is the best way to use all of these? Like, I'm curious how you think they should be like doled out. Basically. I I have no idea. I think that's, I think that's the big thing for her. She was saying it when she was talking to the camera that that's the big thing is figuring out how to use all of them. I'm not so sure she has to use most of them. I really like the position she's in now, especially after this episode. I, the slip up with Tori, I think, could have gone a lot worse. I, I'm really disappointed in Tori. Not that I wasn't expected to be disappointed in Tori. I thought she could have handled that better. I thought she prodded a little too much and kind of tipped off uh, Drea that she knew. And, I, and once that happened, I thought she should have blown up Drea's game and kind of pointed it out. You had immunity after you won that challenge. I thought that was the time to do it. Now, I think she wasted an opportunity and if she doesn't win immunity next week, she's going to just be in the same position she was this week. I thought she had a chance to blow up the game and she was someone that needed to blow up the game and she didn't do it. The biggest thing for me is Drea's got to keep everything really close to the vest because so at least Lindsay and Hi already know about the amulet because they have one. Everybody who knows about the idol with these wild phrases knows about the idol. So that's probably most of the people in the game. I don't remember who she went with for the extra vote, but those people, really everybody knows that she went on a journey, so they have an idea that she could have an extra vote. And then at least Tori suspects something is up. She obviously isn't going to know that it's the knowledge is power advantage. From what we can tell, Drea hasn't shared that information with anyone, but that's the one that's most in the dark and still not completely in the dark. There's still some suspicion out there that Drea might have something else. So if people start connecting these dots and they might not need to know everything that Drea has, but if they know that she has a lot, that's going to make a, a huge target on her back. That's going to be like nullify all the advantages that, you know, all the power that you get from having the advantages in the first place. I'm surprised that they haven't tried to target anyone with an idol so far. Like it's pretty, it's like pretty weird, right? That there's been no attempt to flush out any idols. Like they're, they're all still in play. and. It hasn't even factored into the equation with Marianne when she's been on the chopping block. Yeah. And Mary, I don't think Marianne hid the fact that she had the two advantages she had at the beginning. Like she told everyone in the tribe, which I thought was a huge mistake. Uh, I'm surprised too. I feel like that should be a bigger part of the game, but maybe it's like mutual blackmail or like all the power players have some type of power. I think if I'm remembering correctly and they don't want to out each other, maybe that's the reason why, but I don't know. But they've had to say the phrase. So they all know that it's That's true. That it's Mike, Drea, and Marianne. So like it's it is but to your point though, like Mike being such a powerful player while also having the idol 
makes it easier for him to then like work with someone like Drea to be like, and to not have to like make their idols at risk essentially. But I do think it's like pretty surprising at this point in the game. There's been, there's been so few attempts to like blindside powerful players. Like I, I can't believe they yeah. didn't get rid of Jonathan. Yeah. Yeah. Cause Jonathan's <laughs> the other one. So like the, all the advantages in the game, we have Drea with all of her hardware. Marianne is the immunity idol plus the extra vote. Mike has the immunity idol. And then Jonathan has the advantage of being Jonathan. So that's just like a lot of stuff that's out there. <laughs> being the greatest human being to ever, ever grace us on this earth. Oh yes. my and God. For some reason, they're like, hey, let's go after Chanel, who has no allies and no power and no interests, her, which is like fine. But that feels like a vote that you can do at any time. And I, I think that most modern seasons of Survivor, it's the opposite. This is when they start going like, hey, this person has a lot going on or that person has a lot going on. So then you go and you you get those people out. Jonathan and Lindsay's dives into the water were so perfect. I was like really happy for all of us to witness it. I also was just happy to see someone else like, you know, showing a lot of like athletic prowess alongside of him. So it's not only him, but he is, he is ridiculous. But one thing that's starting to me annoy me about him is he knows it. Like when he was joking about his own, when they were talking about like what food to get and he was like making a joke about his ridiculous like 18 egg breakfast. I was like, okay, dude, we get it. You, you know, we know, we all know. And so I feel like if I were around him, that he would really grate on me. And then after the, uh, what was it? Four people that volunteered to sit out of the competition. He was like, Oh, I'll make it up to all you guys. Yeah. It's like, okay. Uh, Yeah. One man. I don't think the way he said that, I don't think that that was interpreted the way that he hoped it would be. It felt really patronizing. Yeah. And really paternalistic. But then, you know, but then he didn't vote for any of them, which I guess was nice. But mm-hmm. I don't know. Not getting rid of him and not targeting getting the idols out of the game is just just dumb. Like for someone like Hi and Omar, who are so such like big strategists, the fact that they aren't leading those charges is pretty is pretty weird. I, it's just like super surprising. I thought this was going to be the episode after he made those five straight shots. Mike kind of like put his hands on his hips and looked at, I think it was Roxroy and just with this look where he was like, can you believe this guy? And I thought that was the moment he would realize we're never going to beat this guy in a competition. We, when we get a chance, we need to get him out. And they had a chance and it didn't happen. There's no way Mike is getting rid of Jonathan ever. Like no way. (laughs) Mike is too trusting. I feel like Mike loves everybody and sees the best in in everyone except for, I guess, Chanel this past episode, but yeah. That's my worry with Mike. I think he's he's in a good position, but that's my worry. I feel like that's good, though. I think that's what you need is you you actually need people that you can trust and be loyal to. And it's the opposite. It's the people who can't trust anyone, like the Romeos out there who really work themselves into trouble. Like he is he is playing himself out of this game because he's so paranoid and he he's all over the place. And was that an all time bad performance? That episode is pretty that bad. A little stretch. <laughs> I totally understand wanting to get rid of the person with the with the nervous energy. Like when you're all feeding off each other and there's one person who's so paranoid and like so anxious, I would I would be like, I'd just be like, I can't have that around and, and want to get away from it. So it was definitely a self-immolation capped off. We'll come back to this, I'm sure. But like, I don't know why he voted for hi. That was incredibly bizarre. And like. I yeah. don't know. I guess he just like doesn't trust him, but now now he really can't trust him. So that was so strange. This season has like, I think a lot of really good players and then a few players who I think are really bad. Like there's just, just enormous gap of like not very many average players. It's a lot of like, hi, I think is really good. Omer is really good. I think Mike is really good. I think Drea is really good. 
And then it's like, Tori's not a good survivor player. Romeo is not a good survivor player. Chanel is not a good survivor player. And I it, that gap seems so stark this season compared to seasons past. Can we talk about Tori now and the immunity challenge? Yeah. Okay. So here's the other thing is that I don't know that Jonathan is really that great at challenges because Tori might be the one who's really great at challenges. She sucks. I cannot stand her. <laughs> and the fact that she won again was so frustrating. But like, I guess good television. But I think this is something you and Tyson talked about, Riley. Like the endurance challenges are actually they're meant to be equalizers, but they're actually really unfair because they extremely, extremely benefit the sort of like more compact and very like strong players. And so like someone like Tori or someone like Parvati or like just people who have that endurance and also don't have that much of their own weight they have to carry. And so I'm not that surprised she was able to beat him in that. Even like Tyson has been a good challenge player and like Kim and other. Yeah, it's a lot of the the endurance and the balance and things like that. And eventually there'll be puzzles too, which we know Jonathan's not good at. That's how it is in Big Brother with the endurance competitions. You can always pick out who's going to win before the competition even happens because body size matters so much. And yeah, I, I think that competition was basically set up for Tori to win. I'm surprised Jonathan lasted as long as he did because typically those competitions are harder for the bigger guys, but he was, he was right there to it to the end. We don't know how long it went on for. Usually when it's really long, they tell you they'll be like 30 minutes, an hour, whatever. So I wonder if it was actually really short because everyone bowed out pretty quickly. So he didn't have to hang in for that long, but it seemed like it was short. That's a great point though. I wonder if they did do a challenge that they thought Tori would su- succeed in to have more chaos because let's say she went home. Would this be boring? Like who, you know, it, I think it's a lot more interesting when there's the people, the people who are like reviled end up staying because they have to, then the rest of the contestants have to make harder choices about who to send home. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I think that that kind of ended up happening anyways, though, because Chanel was sort of just way on the outs with everybody. And so there was also the plan of Romeo out there, but he's also on the outs. So it kind of seemed like no matter which way the vote went tonight, it was just going to be an obvious boot one way or the other. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. Tori's got to go. I I mean, (laughs) but it it doesn't. Do you think that if she loses next time, like, would you think they would go after her? I, I feel like she's too obvious. Like you get to a certain point where you're like, you're you're looking at how many people are left. You're starting to think about who your final three is. You know who you want in your final three? Tori, because she's yeah. not going to win. Right. Yeah, I think she's... The longer she lasts, the more attractive she becomes as a person to drag to the final three. Right. And I we might have already passed that tipping point. You started... I think... I forget who said it, but someone in the episode was like, oh, we can get those two anytime. And they're referring to Tori and Chanel. Right. So I think they're already there. I think that was whoever was... I was maybe Drea or Omar, whoever wanted to go not with Chanel for the vote. Oh yeah, it was Romeo or Chanel. So yeah, I think it was I think it was um, Drea or Omar, but I'm not completely sure who did what. Who said that they could get out Chanel and Tori at any time? So. Yeah, I think Kai said something like that too. This episode, he was like, "Oh, they're both obvious," but it seemed like he meant that in we can get either one of them, not in like a we should get out a power player and save it. Because I feel like the the big question that we're kind of circling here is there's this mega alliance of seven. And it's like, when do they start figuring out that they have to turn on each other? Which right. they kind of already did because last episode they voted out 
one. It was an alliance of eight and they voted out one. But they that was also there were only so many people that weren't immune. And so it was kind of a weird setup there. But that's going to start happening soon. And that's when the target will shift off of the Tories and the Romeos of the world. And if it doesn't, I mean, then that's kind of kind of bizarre. I mean, (laughs) I do. I do question some of the strategy. But, you know, Stephen, you're saying that, like, you think Drea has a lock to win. I agree. She seems like she'll go really far. But I I feel like Mike is also just in a really, really good spot. And I'm kind of surprised. But also, like, Mike is a surprising person. He is the type of player that makes me really like Survivor because I find him surprising and like unpredictable as a human and then you know he's just like makes for interesting television he had a pretty like bizarre episode from the beginning when he's talking about like how much he needs he's like so mad at chanel and then basically leading the charge against her and the pre-tribal scramble do you think he like is he at risk of overplaying at all or like are all of his moves justified i guess i wrote in my notes and this was in the middle of the episode that I thought his tunnel vision for Chanel might become a problem, but Mm. she ended up going home. So either he has sway or just, I don't think people are seeing him like that. So I, I don't know. I, I actually feel better about his game after this episode than I did before. That's a good point. Yeah. I mean, he got rid of the one person who, who maybe would have a problem with him. People seem to trust him. I think when you like go out of your way to like get to know people, it makes a big difference. So it's like basic humanity. <laughs> we and we've talked a lot about who the best players are at challenges. And then Mike had a quote in this episode where he mentioned that he has a really good social game and he compared it to Jonathan's physical game. He was like, Oh, but the, the social game comes easy to me the way the physical game comes easy to Jonathan. Do you guys think that Mike is the best social player left or who else is in that tier of like the best social players in the game right now? I would say, I would say Omar. Yeah. Omar's up there for sure. And he has like the subtlety thing going for him. Like, I don't think people are, I think it might come crashing down. He's the one that seems to realize the value of the outcast, the people not in the, the main alliance. And while I think that's a smart strategy, I do think it's a dangerous one because people are going to start talking. They're on a small island. I, I could see his game like come crashing down in a hurry, like in an instant. I totally agree with that. There's such a thin line between, oh, I have intel coming in from all sides versus, oh, you're playing both sides. You're not trustworthy. You're a snake. And that's like, if he can kind of keep this up and, and keep talking with everybody, it will you know, he does have that huge power of like knowing so much information, having good relationships with everyone. But if people start talking to others and like, Omar told me this, Omar told me that, I totally agree. It can come crashing down so quickly. And there was a part in the episode where he where he said like information is so valuable in this game. And then the next scene is him just talking to everyone about giving away the information. Why are you giving it away if it's so valuable? Why are you giving it away to Chanel of all people if it's so valuable? That's That's my one concern with him. But I do think in terms of like, Getting connect or making connections and getting people to trust you. I do think Omar's right on that level with Mike. I think those two are up there. He's also really interesting to me because I feel like the Omar we're seeing on TV is probably pretty different than how he's being received at camp because he talks about how like everyone thinks he's like a low man on the totem pole and he's like an outcast. And I just feel like he seems like he's totally in control, and like really charismatic to us. And I, 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 very curious to hear kind of just like, you know, as there's more interviews with people as they leave and whatnot, like 
what people say about him. Because I, I also think that it probably, I'm sure there's like so many things about him that when you're not just getting like the direct to camera stuff and like inside his, of his mind that you probably could, you know, stereotype about him. And, and I think that just is probably not particularly common for someone to, you know, pray multiple times a day when they're at camp. And I, I think that's like, it's pretty awesome to see him doing that and like to see him explaining it to, to Mike, I thought was incredibly powerful. But I just get this like sense that there's like a a much more like complete person that we're not actually getting to see. But it's like I, I like really like him. I just have a lot of questions about how they're like crafting his narrative, I guess. Yeah, I think I think he's I would like to see him on another season. Mm. I I don't know if this season is go- going to end well for him, but I could see him coming back and learning from his mistakes and being an even better player if he comes back. I kind of believe in him. I don't know. I feel like he's going to go far. I just feel like people are going to keep underestimating him and he'll use it to his advantage. These people don't seem that smart. Why aren't they yeah, trying to like go after each other? They haven't gotten rid of Jonathan. So. For sure. I agree. Because he's he's like, like I think I keep comparing him in my brain to High, where it's like High is really strategic too, much like Omer. And we had that that moment in the last episode where those two kind of like went head to head strategically on who would be the target. But it's like the thing that Omar has over someone like High is High just like screams game bot. It's like you can just see that yeah. he's like super, super strategic. Omar doesn't. He he seems like, oh, you know, he might just be out here for the journey or or whatever, you know, to grow as a person. And it's like, no, he's here to play. And we see that because we see the confessionals and we see all the conversations he's having. But I don't think everybody else is up there uh it, it, like realizes that about him and not having that perception is such an advantage. That's a, that's a good point. What did you guys think about Marianne's note about like her using her own tears to compel people? Yo, speaking of people who also are playing, but don't have the perception of it, Marianne, great episode for her. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I was happy for her. I, I feel like when she exerts control, it's like really thrilling. So I was excited about that. Why did you say great episode for her though, Riley? Because I've just been so impressed with the last two episodes because I felt like she was here to be a character. Like every once in a while, Survivor, or well, every season, Survivor casts a few people who are characters first. Like that's why they've cast them. And I think that that ultimately is probably why Marianne got cast because of her just huge personality. But she's strategic. She can play and she understands how she's perceived and how she comes across and she's using that to her advantage. And I just really like it. I like Marianne a lot too. I feel I, I think if I was stuck on an island with her, I'd be a little <laughs> a little annoyed, but uh I like her a lot and I think that she's playing a great game and a much better one than I expected after the first few episodes. And I, I really liked her getting emotional during the, the rice negotiation. I don't know if it was intentional or not, but I really think that masked the fact that she was comfortable sitting out because she does have an idol. That's and a good point. I don't know if Drea really did that well. Like Drea, Drea and Lindsay were both like, oh yeah, we'll do it. At least with Marianne, there was some emotion behind it. It wasn't just like a strategic move that you could see through. I thought she did a good job of masking that. You know, that's it reminds me of something I want to mention, which is her being like, I'll sit out because I don't like peanut butter and jelly. Her being Drea when she was like, I'm out because I don't like Peter Brunner and Shelly. That was super weird. And the fact that no one questioned it was even weirder. It's like, who I totally cares if you thought, like it? I totally yeah. thought she was lying, too. I was like, one, too. who doesn't like peanut butter and jelly? And two, who doesn't like peanut butter and jelly after you've been starving for You're two You're starving. Weeks? <laughs> right. Yeah. That's what I, and then they, they cut back to her at camp and she was like, no, I don't like peanut butter and jelly. 
I thought she was going to say like, oh yeah, it was just like a bit so I could sit out or yeah, I could look and, under the bench. I know they sometimes yeah. hide things there. It was a strategic play. I wanted to gain people's sympathy. Yeah, I totally thought it was gonna be something like that. And it seemed like it was just on face value. She's like, no, I don't like PB and J. What? I know. And like, no one questioned it. It was super weird. Something about Drea, like, I wonder, I don't think she's a plant, but I sometimes I think she's a plant because she guessed last a week. Plant? I don't think she's <laughs> like actually she's a, in with production. Okay. But no, I know you don't actually think this would take me through the. the yeah, theory. exactly. Last week, she guessed that Roxroy could potentially get the power to make the people who weren't immune immune. And then this week, I was just wondering, like, did they not show it? Like, did Jeff say it? But like, how did she know that she should be looking for an advantage on the bench? Like, she was like, it's so clear there's an advantage here. And Xander kind of thought it last time, but like wasn't completely sure. But like Drea immediately started looking for it. Like she had no doubt. So I'm just like, is production giving her hints? Like what's going on here? She did look right in the exact spot where it was. Yeah. Too. The she way she seemed to look anywhere else. The way she positioned herself on the the bench. That's not how normal people sit on a bench. No, it's definitely <laughs> she like not. straddled the bench like right in the direction <laughs> of the advantage. I feel like if she were if she were a plant, she wouldn't have like stuck her whole hand down in the pot of red paint and like pulled it up and then like sloppily cleaned it off. She would have had like a better plan for that. No, part I, of the I advantage. I disagree that she had to play. They wanted the red paint to factor into it. Like that was the most telegraphed thing I've ever seen when they said, oh, you're going to get caught red handed. I was like, oh, there's going to be red paint when she grabs this thing. And then there was. And then she just like reached into it. That was weird. The more we talk about it, actually, the more I do think she's a plant. Because I agree. It's like <laughs> she she could have done a better job, like washing the paint off of her, herself. That was like pretty rant. She found it like pretty easily and quickly. And I don't know. There's something there's something fishy with the way that she just like is picking up on all of these special twists for seasons 41 and 42. She could have used like what if she'd had like a couple of chopsticks or something like and reached in there like that. Like, that's how I would have done it if I'd known or, that there were red paint. Yeah. Or, like, all right. No, but she had the point is she had to do it, Riley. She's, she's there to play along the games. But, oh, okay. She could have dumped it out. Like, why did she stick her hand in? Maybe, okay. Maybe she ran into somebody from season 41 before she went out for 42 and they told her about all this stuff. Like, oh, there's a, a, an advantage under the bench, like something like that. But then they wouldn't have known about the red paint because that's new this season. That's true. That's I don't point. know. It's fishy. I'm gl- I can tell that Steven agrees with me and I appreciate it. I, yeah, I, I didn't agree when you first said it, but I'm on board now. You've convinced <laughs> me. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's just, I think anticipating the Roxroy thing with being able to switch to immunity, it was pretty extreme. Like that's like, a, like, because they've never done it before and it's like such an outrageous thing to do. Well, they hadn't done it before 41. You're going right. to go back. You're going to go back and watch Rock and Roll Jeopardy. And Dre is going to be a contestant on it. He's, <laughs> he's been on all the Jeopardy shows throughout history. He's just been there the whole time. I do really like Dre, by the way. So I, I, ho- I hope she's not a uh, production co- like narc or something. But, you know, who knows? Also, also, speaking of the red paint, I really like that twist, too. I think I've gotten over just finding all these advantages in, in a corner of a tree or something and this one was like kind of fun to watch how she would do it and then to see the whole like tori knows something is up but how could she possibly know what was up because why the heck would drea have red paint like nothing like this has ever happened on survivor before i thought that whole part was like really well done and compelling and and was pretty cool i liked it too 
I also I liked the, the flag painting is back. I like I, I used to like that on Survivor when it was like a big day. Like, oh, let's paint the flag together. <laughs> also back this episode, tree mail. Yeah, they still do it. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Pure Leaf Iced Tea. Go beyond reality with new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea and discover a very delicious world bursting with unexpected blackberry flavor. A world so full of refreshing blackberry iced tea that you may never want to leave. But there's always time to linger. Try new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. Visit amazon.com slash pureleaf and enter 20 Pure Leaf for 20% off your purchase of new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. This episode is brought to you by Rakuten. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% cash back at hundreds of stores, including headliners, Ulta, Ray-Ban, and Canon. Rakuten is how in-the-know shoppers get the best savings. They shop the brands they love and earn cash back on top of deals during Big Give Week, May 6th to May 13th. The cash back rates are even bigger. I'll be shopping for Adidas and Fenty. You can save on everything you need for summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. Join today for free and get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of Big Give Week's 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. So everybody who votes Chanel, it was Hi Mike, Jonathan, Lindsay, Tori, Rox, Andrea. They all vote Chanel. And then weirdly, it's... So Marianne... Omer and Chanel vote for Romeo. Obviously, Chanel is going to vote for Romeo. I thought it was weird that Omer voted for Romeo. Me too. Uh, like, I thought he would have been in the loop there and would have known which way the numbers were going and voted Chanel. Similar to, like, last episode where High voted Lydia, even though it wasn't what he wanted, but he knows, like, you got to stick with the numbers once the numbers are there. And then Romeo votes for High, which is just bizarre. Is it possible Omer did that to continue to seem like an outsider? That's what I was going to say. I think, was that a strategy? Yeah, I think that is possible. That's it. That's like, that's pretty bold. That's like an interesting move. Has anyone do people have people done that in the past? Well, I mean, Sophie was describing something like that to us a few mm-hmm. podcasts ago, where she was saying that she voted one way, even though she was in on the vote, and then they actually like edited it differently. Uh, this was on like South Pacific. So I'd imagine that this does happen. And I wonder if we'll get on the next episode, if we'll get Omer being like, yeah, I had to vote for Romeo because I knew I wanted to be with the outsiders. But I still think there's going to be people like Hi or Mike who are going to be like, why the heck didn't you vote with us, dude? Right. Can we talk about before the vote, the uh, the car yeah. metaphor? And I think this speaks to something that <laughs> Riley was getting at earlier in the game with High's game. Great line at the end, but totally unnecessary and totally gave your game away. Why? Did, I don't know why he said that. 
what was it like if if you're not in the passenger seat or something you get it where you better belt. have your seatbelt on I, I I don't know why he said that, and I think it speaks to what Riley Riley's criticism of his game. I just think he's too out in the open with it. Also, the car metaphor was something that Jeff completely brought up, and then when somebody else responded to it, Jeff was like, "All right, let's continue with this car metaphor as if it was organic." But it was like you were the one that brought up the car, dude. That's the kind of thing where they probably been talking already for like an hour, and everyone's like just so hungry, tired, and like out of it they just like go go along with it but yeah the car the car metaphor didn't really make sense no who's the best of those though is marianne like marianne just like go, gets on she gets in the car she gets on board and she rolls with it and i do really appreciate that about her but yeah high is definitely definitely overplaying there's no question and you can see it too right all right give me your best theory for why romeo voted for high I guess he felt the, that- si- the silent pause after the I asked that question, I think <laughs> says a lot. I love how the I love how the beginning of the tribal council was just like the comedy central roast of of Romeo's game. Like it yeah. was like everyone's subtly just crapping on him. There's one person who's so paranoid, but uh, not gonna say who. <laughs> I think the only reason is he thought that. Someone must have told him hi, first of all. Maybe maybe someone told him that. But he also maybe just thought that that guy was like, that that guy high was like coming after him. I don't know. There's really no explanation. I, I can't I can't even try to come up with one. Romeo and high bonded too on the last right. episode. Like I thought I they, I don't think there's like a personal vendetta there or something. I think it might have been high's comments at the tribal council and he just went with it. He was just like, I don't know. I, he probably thought he was going home. It was like, I'm just going to take a shot in the dark. Yeah. That's a good point. One thing I was thinking about when I was seeing how p- people spelled um, Chantel's name and then how Romeo spelled High's name is it must be really weird to meet people and like be like this familiar with them and like never like write anything, like exchange information or like there's just, it's just like totally, you know, absent like any written communication. <laughs> And I was just thinking it's like so funny to not know how like you spell each other's name or like anyone's last name or like their phone number or whatever. I don't know. Or like their like social media handles. You saw how Rox wrote Lindsay's name last episode, (laughs) which is like not an uncommon name at all. If you if and if you ask someone like before tribal council, how do you spell your name again? I know, right. (laughs) Don't ask that. They should give them a cheat sheet like at the podium so that they they know how to spell everyone's name. Although they probably like the I think comedy. it's funny. Yeah, yeah, I think it's funny to see all the the names like spelled incorrectly. Like, do you think they introduce themselves by full name? Like when do you share your last name? Like do people ask? I will have to ask Tyson when he emerges from wherever he is. It is it's like a very very funny aspect of it. It's like, and then at the end, I guess when you get your phone back, you exchange numbers or whatever. I always like to know what people do first when they get their phone back after being on a reality show. That's a great question. Yeah, we'll we'll start asking people that when they come on. It's like, who do you call? It's probably if you're married or in a serious relationship, your your partner. But then after that, like, what happens next? Do you like check the news? Do you check your email? Like, there's so many questions. I'm gonna be honest. I pro I probably check Twitter before I even call a loved one. <laughs> Just immediately <laughs> checking Twitter. What would like you when, be wanting to find there? Like NFL news or like election news or like what? Yeah, NFL news that I can make a joke about. Like <laughs> if it was like the loved ones episode and instead of like my dad coming out, they just brought my phone out up with Twitter up. I, I would start crying. 
Pre- that was- <laughs> wow. The first thing you're doing after you get off the island for 30 days is thinking about what your tweet is going to be. Let me get a Baker Mayfield joke off. <laughs> Would you like be just like passing time by keeping tri- like just like kind of having a mental list of your future tweets like but who yeah. knows what trades would have happened if they would still apply mental drafts mental yeah. drafts it's probably a good way to test out your material too like you're really to think about it for a long time uh that also would be a good reward though is like not just food but like you get like 30 minutes of internet or something like that yeah that would oh, be, that'd be interesting. yeah yeah I always advocate for this kind of thing on The Bachelor. I'm just like, give them internet. Let them research these people. Like, who knows what they'll dig up and ask them about? Like, I, you I actually... Ch- you can check your Instagram for 10 minutes. Yeah. That's your exactly. reward. <laughs> See, yeah. Check out your DMs or something. <laughs> like, FaceTiming would be nice, too. I mean, whatever. Just some ideas for them. They used to do that. They used to be like, here's our Sprint phone with, like, the <laughs> brand new, like, video call. And it was, yeah. like, a tiny little <laughs> And on the stream. challenge, it was like, we got a message from TJ on our sidekick <laughs> T-Mobile phone. So, great, great product placement. Good stuff. All right. Let's jump into some superlatives here. I'm ready. You're ready. Okay. Best move. Do you got one? Best move, I think, was... Hmm. I'm not ready, I guess. What do you think, Steven? I think Mike flipping the vote at the last minute. Mm. I, yeah. I I did think like Chanel was the most dangerous player for him to have in the game. So I thought that made sense. And him being able to just turn the tide instantly right before. Because I think they flipped it to uh, Romeo at the last second. Because I remember, I think it was high asking Jonathan, is it too late to flip it? And somehow they flipped it to Romeo and Mike was able to flip it back. So I would say that. I don't think it was an episode with a lot of great moves in it so no. I, don't, I think pickings are slim but uh yeah i think i would go with that i would say omar if if we could know for sure that he voted for oh, Romeo yeah. to hide to hide his status as a mm. as a member of the dominant alliance i'm gonna say drea switching places at the challenge because one she got the beware advantage from that but then also i wonder if she was reading a bit that Marianne was feeling kind of at the bottom and a little like an outcast and mm-hmm. just having Marianne draw that gray rock is like pretty brutal too. So she can kind of bring her in the fold and play with the emotions a little like that as well. Um, even though it does come with the risk of maybe some people will think that you got an advantage or maybe some people will think that you're kind of playing the game, you know, in this right. way. But I liked it. We'll flip it. Uh, what's the worst move? I mean, we got to take Romeo off the table. Aside, aside from Romeo. Oh, come on. That's what I'd written down. I literally just have everything Romeo did written down. Uh, <laughs> the whole episode. I, I'm going with Tori not exposing uh, Drea's red paint on her. Whatever. Mm. Same. Same. I thought that was a missed opportunity. Big you got you to make that. You got to do something with that. And I don't think she did. And I don't, I think, it's, I don't think she's going to take advantage of it. Maybe she yeah. will. Maybe she'll surprise us. But I have low expectations. I feel like there's just sort of a collective, like, I don't think there were a lot of real blunders in this episode. So I think just collectively that there was no discussion about trying to take out a bigger target is probably not a good move. Eventually, eventually these, this tribe is going to get really small. And when somebody uses that idol, it might mean that the vote bounces back onto you and you go home. The opportunities to take out Jonathan not being seized is a pretty big blunder by a lot of these people. Yeah, I don't think it's about Jonathan as much, though, because I feel like I'm not sure if he's actually good at the immunity challenges or not. I guess, but I just think that he clearly uh, his and his and Mike's like fondness for each other. If I were in that alliance would would scare me. 
So I would want to break them up. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I do get the, the, the thought process behind keeping him around because sure. there are going to be challenges where he's not going to be able to use his strength. Right. So he might be a guy that you can actually get out at any time. I would just be afraid of getting to a point of no return where he's able to just run the table. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And then I guess there's the tribe's still big enough that they're doing like team stuff too. So like the chance to be on a team with him and win a reward is probably appealing. I was kind of hoping that he would draw the gray rock and just how frustrating that would be for him. I know he'd be pissed. And you know who else would be really upset is Jeff. Jeff yeah. would be able to be like, oh, he's ripping through the water with one hand. Like, what would he say? Or Roxroy. Roxroy is like a, a fan, a big fan of him. Yeah. <laughs> also, on the Marianne front, I thought she did really well in the challenge. And I like, feel like she's improving her as an athlete, which is very cool. And I also felt that Jonathan's one-handed swimming probably wasn't that hard. And Jeff was giving him too much credit. I just want to throw that out there. I still like your theory that Jeff is unintentionally, I think, sabotaging yeah. him by, by shouting him out so much in every challenge. Yes, yes. Agreed. All right. Favorite moment of the episode? Hmm. I've got one. My, mine is the Omer explaining Islam to Mike moment confessional thing. I, I just thought that was really well done. I love those like interactions that we get that have nothing to do with the game, too. I uh, thought that was great. Mine's not nearly as wholesome. Mine was Marianne just like screaming at the top of her lungs when she ran and <laughs> jumped off the thing. Too. It was just so on brand yeah. for her and it was so good. That was really funny. I think mine's going to be the car metaphor because it was just ridiculous and everyone participated in it. So I, I liked it. Oh, wait. I have one other favorite moment that we forgot to say on this pod, which is when Chanel at the beginning of this episode, after getting left out of the last vote, for some, somehow says that that made her realize that she is playing chess and everyone else is playing checkers. And it's like, no, Chanel, you're playing tic-tac-toe and everyone else is playing survivor like i just don't know what is going on with that that was my first note was does does chanel understand the metaphor because it sounded like she thought playing chess was the 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 least complicated thing of the two she's like now i got to get my my head in the game i was like do you understand that metaphor yeah maybe she just messed it up when she was saying it but it made no sense no not at all it was that's great i yeah, Chanel ultimately leaving. I'm happy about because I I find that I found Chanel's run on the show very sad. Like she, they just were like so they excluded her so much, and I'm just sort yeah. of like glad to move on from that emotional weight. I, and I hope Chanel finds happiness and and to wish her the best. Okay, let's do who's your winner pick right now. I'm sticking with Omar. Steven, you got one. I'm sticking with Drea. I don't think she's a lock, but I do think she's well positioned. And I think I like how she's playing, how subtle she's been, and. My concern is someone exposing all of the power she has, but I think she's going to be able to hide it. Just be, I don't have a lot of faith in this cast, like me neither, sniffing things out. I'm sticking with my guy, Mike. I feel like he's on the Good verge pack. of making a very tight, powerful alliance, and everybody likes him. And he got his way in this episode, too. He was able to get out the person that he wanted to get out. So he's got a lot of good soft power to influence where the votes are going, but I don't think anyone sees him as like this big power player. Uh, he's another person where it's like, I think the perception of him doesn't quite match the reality of him. And he's using that to his advantage. I think that's a good call too. He He's my, my backup behind Omar, but I, I agree that I think he's in a really good spot. He's my favorite for runner up. He kind of reminds me of 
and now I'm forgetting his name. He's the runner up to Adam in season 33. I think he like kind of stabbed David in the back, the TV writer. I think it was Ken. Let me look. Yeah, it up Ken. It was Ken. Yeah, that's what it was. I don't know. It kind of reminds me of that game where he like kind of has too much faith in people. And I don't know how if he's going to be able to explain his game well if he does get to the end. So I do. I think he's the favorite for a second for me. He's definitely going to go far. The Wesleyan sweatshirt continues to kill me. I think it's so funny. All right. The final superlative is who will be the next person voted out. This is also known as who will be safe in the next episode <laughs> because we are always wrong. Didn't uh, I pick Chantel last week? Did you? I think I, I did. Remember. I'm pretty sure uh, I did. We'll have to go back and check. But I really think I did. I might have said Tori. We were talking you, about the you two. You probably said Tori. <laughs> based on, <laughs> I, I'm, based I'm, on this podcast. Yeah, based on this podcast. Uh, I'm going to pick Tori. Okay. I think your I, time is up. Fingers crossed. I'm going to go with High. I think High is playing himself out. Wow. I had High written out written down as well because I think he's just playing too hard. He's going to yeah. be, once they start shifting to big targets, I think that he's going to be one of them. I agree. Riley, I can't believe we agree. So infrequent. It's definitely time. This means Ty is safe. Ty is definitely safe. <laughs> <laughs> right. My biggest concern, my, my concern with Tori is I think she has the opportunity to kind of lay low and fall back. I just don't think she's going to take it. She's going to stay out on the radar and it's going to eventually lead to her demise. That's true. This does seem like a group that also doesn't want to put up with people who are chaotic and, and causing issues. That's why Romeo is on the block this week. It's why people didn't trust Chanel and they want her out. And so even though these people are on the bottom, they still have targets. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll find out. It's definitely, as we said, as Riley said, hi, he's, he's locked in for next week now that we've mentioned him. So <laughs> now it's totally going to be Mike. <laughs> I hope not. Oh, no. I would miss. I would miss Mike. I don't think so. I can't imagine everyone turning on Mike. No, no yeah, I, I think, think so he's, he's too like he's too well like he would be heartbroken. Yeah, I think they turn on him towards the end. Like I see him going five to like five or six, and then people realizing that he would definitely win, and so they get rid of him. Yeah, that makes Man, sense. I hope you're wrong. I hope he's there <laughs> at the end and he wins. That'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I think that's everything. Do we miss anything? No. I think we got it all. All right, that's all for The Pod is Spoken. Thanks for listening. Uh, We will be back next week, maybe with Tyson, maybe not. You'll just have to tune in and find out. 